In the previous year, I discussed the centrality, the primacy of Talmud Torah within Avodah Hashem, precisely because the Akadosh Baruch Hu himself is unknowable, impenetrable. The human mind can't wrap itself around Akadosh Baruch Hu. It's infinite. The closest we can come, at least cognitively, is by studying Akadosh Baruch Hu's Torah, which is the will of God, as it pertains to every aspect of the human condition. It is an approximation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will in human terms. As Chazal create metaphors to capture this truism. So, for example, Torah is referred to as the daughter of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or it's sometimes referred to as the shame of Hashem, the name of Hashem, not the essence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but the way in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, can be accessed by the human being. I quoted several um, Mamari Chazal, which describe Torah as the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as the Ratzon of Hashem. And by studying HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah, become closer to Him and understand Him, which is the entrance of the portal to a relationship of love and ultimately of fear. If that is true, that Torah is not just a social, political, economic document, or it's not just HaKadosh Baruch Hu's desire for human um, success and prosperity, but it reflects the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the infinite wisdom of the Rabboni Shalom, then we would expect Torah to be a transcendent, to be an immortal document. Now we know Torah to be immortal from several Midrashim. Obviously, the Torah that we were given is not going to describe the Torah's immortality because the Torah was given to human audience. So it begins with human history or the history of the universe, which is relevant to humankind, Barashas Bar Elohim, man's birth, man's creation, man's ultimate rebellion and betrayal of God, the selection of a unique people, and that people's history amidst the world drama. But Chazal speak of the Torah as Kadmaliolam Alpaim Shana, as Torah preceding the world, of course, 2,000 years before the world is created could be any span of time in, in real human terms, what is 2,000 years before the world is created, before there's time and planets. Chazal speak about a Torah in heaven that Moshe had to wrestle from the Malachim and opposing Moshe's interest in a Kodesh Baruch Hu's decision, the Malachim claimed the Torah remains and belongs in heaven. The very famous Ramban in the beginning of the Torah, the, the, uh, the, there's a very, there's a very well-known statement of Chazal that the entire Torah comprises HaKadosh Baruch Hu's names, Kala Tarakula, Shemosav Shal HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the names of Hashem. And of course, we look in our Torah and we see many words which, at least to us, don't seem to be synonyms of Hashem's name. There are some words that are, but most words aren't. So the Ramban explains that that the Torah that we have is not really the only Torah. The Torah that we have is just the the conjugation, the permutation of letters and words, which was given for a human audience. But there are other ways and other manners to read the Torah, and Torah has life beyond the delivery to a human audience and the embracing of, a, of Torah by a human audience. So we have statements of Chazal speaking to the transcendence of Torah, independent or autonomous of the human experience of Torah. But we also have some very interesting, in many cases fascinating statements about the immortality of Torah, not just before human experience, but subsequent to human experience, and in particular, as part of our afterlife. 
We really don't know much about the afterlife, about Olam Haba. We, we do know that it is a superior world in many ways, without the suffering, without the hardships, without the obstacles of our world. The Rambam describes it, a very well-known Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva, Parachas. Olam Haba, Einbo Guf Vigvia, has no physicality or bodies. Elen Nefashos HaTzadikim Bilvad. It is an ethereal experience of souls. Belogov, Kimalachay Ashari, similar to angels. And the Ramam continues, since there are no bodies, there are no bodily experiences such as eating and drinking. And certainly none of the events which affect or afflict the human condition, standing, sitting, sleep, death, etc. And the Ramam claims, Kach Amru Chachamim Harishonim, Holam Haba, has no eating and drinking or sexual interaction. The righteous sit. Sit with their crowns upon their heads. They're exposed to the glory, to the radiance of the Shechina. So we do have a sense of a world that's quite different from our own world. That's purely spiritual, that has no physical element in which human beings, those who are merit the next world, are engaged in some more direct interaction or interface with the Kaddish Baruch Hu than this world allows. <clears throat> That's clearly conveyed by the tzaddikim sitting with a crown. It probably isn't a crown per se, almost definitely isn't, but some deeper knowledge, deeper wisdom, maybe greater tranquility of peace of mind without the, uh, without the commotion, and without the interruption of our world, in a manner that we, we certainly don't speak about ourselves as or most of us, certainly. But that statement in the Rambam, can refer to a very, very broad range of religious interaction. What does it mean? But there are some statements of Chazal which speak about the role of Torah study in the next world. And this is, of course, to a degree shocking because nothing from our world is repeated in the next world. Certainly not the physical components as the Rambam described, but presumably, almost definitely, not even the um, religious components of our world. Certainly don't expect to be fulfilling mitzvahs in the next world. The person who dies becomes relieved from mitzvahs as part of mina mitzvahs, which is why we have to be so sensitive about flashing chafzei mitzvah in a cemetery. Um, presumably, acts of chesed are no longer relevant in a world which is perfect, which everyone has their fair share. So little about our world seems exportable or extrapolated to the next world. Yet if we look carefully, it seems that at least Chazal articulated the relevance and the durability, the enduring nature of Talmud Torah, in Olam Haba. And of course, given the backdrop of last week's Shir, the Torah is immortal because it deciphers in human terms the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then this statement isn't as audacious or as inexplicable as it seems. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of course, transcends world and time and space. And if there's one experience we'd expect to be extended to the next world, it may quite very well be Talmud Torah because it is an attempt to Understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which isn't limited by time or place or by the system of mitzvahs, which is clearly bounded or delimited to this world. 
So there are two statements in Avos which speak about Torah and its rewards for the next world. One mission in Avos is in Parakabes. The Mishnah lists first all the deterrence, seemingly attractive elements of our world that can deter or can interrupt, that can uh, um, um, sap a person's resources, marba basar, marba rima, marba nechasim, marba daiga, too much riches, too much concerns and anxieties, marba nashim, marba kshafim, too many women, too much witchcraft, marba shivchos, marba zima, too many servants, too much promiscuity, etc., and this is followed by a list of acquisitions that are salutary or more beneficial to overall spiritual prosperity. Mar b'tara, mar b'chayim, person who acquires much tara, acquires life, mar b'yeshiva, mar b'chachma, etc. This on its own is a standalone, independent Mishnah describing that, um, which Chazal do very often, and the Rambam, of course, heavily endorsed, that religious fidelity is not just submitting this world's experience to the will of God, but ultimately redeems human experience. If a person is too involved in greed and avarice and sexual pursuit, so not only is he disobeying the will of God, but he's also poisoning his own experience in this world, and vice versa. If a person pursues religious goals, so he's inherently enriching and improving the quality of his life in this world. But the Mishnah ends... Kana lo divrei Tara, a person who acquires Tara knowledge, kana lo chaye olamaba, acquires life in the next world. Now again, this statement doesn't necessarily demand that Tara will actually be studied in the next world. It just means that the rewards for Tara are great, and as with everything, rewards are most directly experienced, most directly received in the next world. So if a person studies a lot of Tara, he will acquire much olamaba. Similar mission in Avos in Perak Vav. Gidol Latara, Mishnah Zayin, Shehinosenes Chayim Leoseha, Be'olam Hazeh, Uve'olam Haba. Torah is so great that it provides life, prosperity, enrichment, both in Olam Hazeh and Olam Haba. Again, a Mishnah which seems very innocent, given our larger agenda of the Shir, doesn't necessarily demand that Torah will be studied in the next world, it's just the rewards. If anything, the Mishnah more emphasizes the importance of Torah in this world. Everyone understands, it's implied that Torah enables a person to acquire Olam the Chiddush of the Mishnah, so to speak. And in many ways, this Chiddush is more overt than in the previous Mishnah, in Perak Beis. Because Mishnah, it's implicit. A person acquires Torah, acquires prosperity in this world, and in the next world. And this Mishnah, Perak Vav, Mishnah Zion, it's more directly, explicitly stated, Gidol Torah. But the, the chiddush is that Olam is improved by Talmud Torah as well. So many people feel that Torah is a sacrifice of Olam Hazeh. Mishnah is coming to tell us that it enriches Olam as well as Olam What's fascinating about the second Mishnah in Avos Perak Vav are some of the psukim that are quoted. The Mishnah quotes a few psukim describing Torah's impact on Olam Hazeh. The first pasuk is in Mishlei Perak describing Torah as uh, as uh, as some sort of medicinal. Another pasuk in Mishlei Perak highlighting the medicinal image. And then another pasuk in Mishlei, a very famous one. So it seems as if the thrust of the Mishnah 
is to convince us that Torah will affect a person's Olam Hazeh. But the last two Psukim, both taken from Mishlei Paragimel, presumably speak about both worlds. Arach yamim bimina, One way to interpret that Pasuk and its application to Torah is that on the one hand it provides Osher v'chavod, not in an aggrandizing or vain fashion, but prosperity and welfare. But it also provides Arach yamim. Or as the next Pasuk, Arach yamim mushnos chayim v'shalom, Yosif again a Pasuk which may contain a duality. Shnos chayim may refer to life on this world. Arach yamim may refer to elongated, extended, or as we would say, eternal life. The sense that Chazal saw the term as Orech Yamim is referring to not just extended life on this world, long life or an old age, but eternal life is conveyed by several Midrashim. Just to quote uh, uh, one of them, which, which may, may may assert it, Amar Kadosh Baruch Hu, it's in Parshas Veschanan, Medrash Rabbah, Im Mevakshimata Laharech Yamim, is asku batara shekula arach yamim shenema arach yamim bimina. Several other m- mentions suggest that Chazal saw chayenu as literally life, but arach yamim as something more than just a quantitative extension of life, but entirely different realm olam haba. Which means that this second Mishnah in Avos, especially the final psukim it quotes create that association between Torah and Olam Haba, but again, not directly telling us that Torah will be studied in Olam Haba, but rather that the study of Torah and Olam Hazah yields Schar and Olam Haba without iterating or delineating what that experience of Olam Haba will or will not be like. Another Mishnah, or and, and not just the Mishnah, but the Pasuk the Mishnah quotes, another statement of Chazal, is a very well-known Mishnah at the end of Kiddushin. Again, the Mishnah begins in a seemingly generic fashion. Rabbi Nuray Omer, I will ignore all professional interests in this world and I'll only teach my son Torah. Torah provides schar in this world. And Rabbi Nuray elaborates this goal to teach his children Torah. And then he concludes with a pasuk in Tehillim. Now, the direct application of the Mishnah and Kiddushin by quoting the Pasuk in Tehillim, Oji Nevun Beseva, is the literal interpretation of that Pasuk in Tehillim. Oji Nevun Beseva means that they'll continue to speak Torah when they're old. Oji Nevun, Yunevun means they'll speak, they'll move their lips. Lanbiya means to move your lips to speak. Beseva, when they're old. And Narai was describing the fact that Torah is something that even an older person can and should study. But this Pasuk, Oji Nevun Beseva, was taken by Chazal very differently. It doesn't just mean that the lips of an older person will be studying Torah, but as Chazal say, person continues, his lips continue to move, b'seva, even after he dies. When a person's Torah is being taught on this world, he recites that Torah. So, for example, a Medrash Tanchum in Parshas Kitisa, based on a Pasuk in Kohelas, in which Shlomo states, Hasova liashir enenu maniachlo lishon, a person's wealthy, he can't sleep at night, which literally means he's got too many worries and agonizes over his financial concerns, so he can't sleep. But the Medrash is a little bit shocked. If he's rich and wealthy, he should be able to sleep better. So the Medrash takes this as a allegory. That if a person studies a lot of Torah, he's filled with Torah, 
Ein tamidav manichim asal lishon bakever. Then his subsequent tamidim don't allow him to rest in the grave, because every time they cite his halachos, his lips move along with their Torah and, and speak the same Torah that they're speaking. And the Medrash in Tikitisa states the same about Moshe, that any time we study or or discuss his Torah, then Moshe is effectively reciting the Torah in his kever. So Odin of implies an active involvement in Torah study, even after a person has passed from this world. So the Mishnah and Kiddushin cites the Pasuk of Odin of again in the context of Rav Neroi's statement that Torah is Kayemes Elam Haba, but it's unclear what the Mishnah's intention is, whereas many Midrashim suggest that Oji Novemba refers to an after-death experience of Torah, or experience of Torah in the next world. Not necessarily in the grave, not necessarily that the body's lips are moving, even though the Pasuk is very graphic, but that the person is studying Torah. But even this Midrash can be taken, as I alluded to earlier, in a very, very allegorical form, doesn't necessarily mean that when a Talmud recites your Torah, you're actually reciting that Torah. It just means effectively your Torah lives forever. Effectively, you've created something that has a life of its own, that's dynamic, that continues to evolve as people discuss your Torah and partake of your Torah. So the Mishnah in Avos, the one which says, Kana lo divrei Torah, Kana lo haba, or the Mishnah in Avos in Perak Vav, Kedola Torah, Shino Senes Chaim lo haba, or the Mishnah and Kiddushin, they're all very general references to the value of Torah in yielding Schar and and possibly the immortality of Torah, but not because the person continues to study Torah after he dies, but because the Torah is, has a life of its own. However, there are statements in Chazal, many in Midrashim, and a few, two in particular, in the Gemara itself, which are far more direct in delineating the experience of Talmud Torah, even in Olamaba. So take, for example, the Medrash Rabbah in Bracious in Parshat Tzadikei, describing the fact that the Avos in general study Torah, that's why Yehuda, according to the Medrash, was dispatched to Goshen to set up a yeshiva. And the Medrash then elaborates that not only did Yaakov and his children study Torah, but all the Avos. And the Medrash concludes, Amar lo HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem tells Avram in this case, Ata la madita bonecha Torah ba'olam hazeh. Avol ba'olam haba, ani b'chvodi melamed lachem es ha-Torah. Shenemar, quotes the Pasuk in Yeshaya, v'chal banayach limudei Hashem. This is a far more frontal statement. Not just the Torah study in this world yields schar, or that the Torah continues even after a person dies. But it suggests that a person is actually studying Torah in Olam Abba. And in this case, not just studying Torah, but studying Torah from HaKadosh Baruch Hu as his Rebbe, referring or returning to that Rambam's image of Nehen and Mizev Similar statement in Medesh Tanchum and Parshas Kisavo. Im Shamoa Tishma, if you listen to the voice of Hashem, the double Lashen, so Chazal interpret this as a reference to continued Torah study. If you listen to Torah and study Torah in this world, you'll study Torah with Hashem in the next world. Not sufficing just with this little play on words, the Medrash elaborates. Rabbi Yonah says in the name of Levi, said in the name of Abba, why was Torah given to Am Yisrael in this world? Strange question. Why was Torah given to Am Yisrael in this world? 
to study, to fulfill. Lama, Shakol Asidim, Reb Levi answers, Leos Lameidim Torah, Mipia Kodesh Baruchu Lelamaba. If we're going to study Torah from Hashem in the next world, why do we even have to study it in this world? Hashem is the supreme teacher. Why should we study it when we can wait for Hashem to teach us? So Reb Levi answers, Lama Nasalem Balamaza, Shekashiyava Kodesh Baruchu Lelamdeim Balamaba, you are called Yodim Eze Parshu Osik. So that there's some familiarity with Torahs that we're not totally ignorant when we reach the next world, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu's teaching doesn't fall as it were in deaf ears, which is a strange answer, because presumably HaKadosh Baruch Hu's teaching is so magnificent that even if we were totally um, totally ignorant of any of any Torah knowledge, he'd be able to teach us. And, and in general, the question, the premise of the whole Medrash is very, very um, astounding. But either way, the Medrash speaks about HaKadosh Baruch Hu teaching us Torah in the next world, and interestingly enough, this Medrash and Chum and Parshas Kisavo asserts something which the Medrash and Vayigash did not, that there's some connection between the Torah we study in this world and the Torah we study in the next world, that whatever, somehow whatever Torah we study and acquire in this world will have an impact on our ability, will determine how much we learn. The Medrash and Vayigash may have suggested there's some magic, a Kodesh Baruch Hu teaches Torah almost like there's a fresh slate, a clean slate. With Medish Tanchum and Parshas Kisavo speaks about a continuity between the Torah we study in this world and the next world. And this, of course, is reminiscent of a very well-known Gemara that appears a few times in Shas. I'll just quote one example from White Katan. Rav Ashi encountered the Malchamavis in the market. And he realized the Malchamavis had, came, had come to collect his neshama to Shemayim. So Rav Ashi asked him for a 30-day extension to review his Torah and he was concerned because the Amrisu, because he knows that when people enter Shemayim, it is said about them, Ashrei Mishabalakan Vitamudobiadao. Fortune is a person that enters Shemayim with his learning organized, with his learning retained. So Rashi wanted a thirty day extension to review and to uh, catalog his learning. It appears in Bhavabas, it appears the statement Ashrei Mishabalakan Vitamudobiado appears four times in Shas. So this is not just a Madrash, but it's a Gemara. And like the Medrash Tanchum and Parshas Kisavo, it speaks about the continuity between the Torah studied in Olam Hazeh and the Torah studied in Olam Haba. That somehow, this is obviously not something we know too much about, but somehow there are different levels of Torah study in the next world. And a person who enters the next world with more Torah being studied in this world is is uh, more uh, privileged, is uh, is able to learn better in the next world. Kodesh Baruch Hu teaches Torah, but he wants us to be familiar with the Torah somehow that may impact the caliber of our Torah study. So these three Mamari Chazal, the Medrash in Parshas Vayigash, and the Medrash in Parshas Kisava Benish Tanchuma, and the Gemara in Moed Katan, repeated in several other locations, take the claim a lot further. It's not just that Torah yields Olam Haba, but Torah will actually be studied in Olam Haba. According to two statements of the Medrash by Kodesh Baruch Hu will be teaching us. And somehow, there is a correspondence between Torah and Olam Hazeh and Torah and Olam Haba. A second Gemara I wanted to quote is a Gemara in Makos, which states the same, but adds one element, which features prominently in the way we refer to Olam Haba. The Gemara in Makos in Daf Yud Aleph describes Moshe davening for Yehuda, Vizos Yehuda. What happened? The Gemara describes the Atzamos of Yehuda 
were rolling in the coffin. They didn't have peace or rest until Moshe requested Rachel and Moshe Davin on behalf and claimed that Yehuda deserves special treatment because he caused um, Ruvain to confess to his sins. Yehuda confessed to his sins and that led others to confess and therefore Yehuda deserves the schar. Basically, Moshe is responsible, according to this Gemara, for Yehuda's bones resting and... As the Gemara continues, even though they rested and they whatever happens to bones that are disquieted or in a state of uh, chaos uh, that was removed, the Gemara says Lahava the They were not um they were not embraced, they were not accepted into the Masifta Dirakia. This is a phrase that appears again a few times in Shas, figures very prominently in the Zohar, Masifta Dirakia. It's hard to know what Mesifta Derekia means, because the word Mesifta literally means a place to sit, Yasvi, presumably. But broader than that, Mesifta to us means learning, a place of learning. And the continuation of the Gemara in Makos describes Moshe continuing to David. Okay, now that he was embraced by the Mesifta Derekia, Lavakayada Lamishkal Mitrach Bishmaitza. Moshe was concerned that Yehuda, having just been granted entry to the Masif of Derekia, would not be uh, familiar with all the learning. So he continued to Davin. Yadav Ravlo, let him understand the learning and be able to defend his positions. Lava Yadav the Fruka Kursia was a concern that Yehuda could not answer questions that people would ask him in the Masif of Derekia. So Moshe continued to Davin. Baruch should help him against his, so to speak, enemies, those who would ask questions on his learning. So the overall discussion of this process of Yehuda's bones being accepted, Yehuda's neshama being accepted to the Masifta Derekia suggests a communal setting where people are actually learning, learning Torah somehow in the same manner that we learned with each other, with interaction, with questions and answers. And again, with somehow your ability to study and to respond to questions being impacted by your performance on this world. In this case, Yehuda's general performance uh, was insufficient. Moshe had to daven on his behalf. This leads to the phrase, which we say very, very often, unless uh, we associate it with a person's death, he's now been, now ascended to the Masifta Derekia. And we refer to this as a place of learning in Shemayim. There's another medrash which describes it, uh, medrash in this case in Kisavu. Again, person who enters a shul or a base medrash in this world will enter similar houses of assembly in the next world. People who sit in God's house, will forever praise Hashem. This medrash does extend the eternity of Torah, seemingly suggesting an eternal element for tefillah, which is a bit odd. There should be an element of tefillah, as we know it in Olam Haba. But it does evoke the same image of a misifta derakia, or at least the way the Medrash describes it as a bate knesses and a bate medrash in Olam Haba. And this, again, would seem strange were we not to see Torah as the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, independent of you in practice. Well, if it's a will of Hashem, then it's obvious, or at least understandable, 
that the pursuit of Torah is not bounded or limited by human experience and not even by the mitzvah to study Torah because presumably Olam Haba doesn't possess any mitzvahs in the normative or uh, obligatory sense. But if Olam Haba is a direct contact between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and man, we would have thought it's a contact that Olam Hazah can't yield. The answer is, it is, but the medium is the same. The medium is still Talmud Torah. Obviously, there are understandings and layers of meaning of Torah that we are withheld from in this world that Olam Haba provides. So this is the second shear in Talmud Torah, the immortality of Talmud Torah, the experience of Talmud Torah after death, which is alluded to by several statements in Chazal, but explicitly stated by a Gemara in Moit and in Makos. Again, all this can be read in a very, very allegorical or abstract fashion, but there seems to be an attempt on Chazal to highlight the experience of Talmud Torah, and for all extents and purposes, is really the only experience from our world that Chazal attempt to extend into Olam Haba.